Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. It's 12.34 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now. Quickly into a text on the Ashley Five Floors text line. Bob, it annoys me, says the frustrated farmer. It annoys me when naysayers beat up Connor Yamamoto. Can we say Jordan Eberle? Uh, well, again, in a, in a cap system, you lose good players. Um, the Oilers made a decision after the 2017 playoffs. Uh, they felt that they needed to create some cap space. I think they were a little bit fearful of that time that uh, Leon Dreisettle would get an offer sheet. There's no question they got crushed in the trade. And Jordan Eberle, after not having a great first playoff, and that happens to lots of players, um, has been pretty good for the New York Islanders. Though I'd say his the style that the Islanders play is very conducive uh, first of all, the team can really defend. Secondly, they got arguably the best goaltending coach in NHL history, Mitch Korn, who worked with Dominic Hasek for a number of years. And Barry Trotz is a great coach. And you wouldn't, like, Tampa Bay looked terrific against Boston, but is anybody betting against the Islanders right now? That team looks like they're locked in. But Everly has certainly gone on. And, again, I think that if you take a look, in the last 10 years, the players drafted out of the WHL, the guys that have been often uh, maybe the biggest surprises and the biggest bargains have all been smaller players. And there's been a lot of misses on some bigger uh, players. And it probably shouldn't be a, a surprise because there's an old saying in hockey. Big guys have to prove they can't play, and small guys have to prove that they can. Without further ado, courtesy of our friends at Horse Racing Alberta who present... The Alberta Breeders Fall Classic featuring Alberta's best head-to-head action this Saturday at Century Mile. Spectator access is limited. Uh, it's Sunday. Check that. This Sunday at Century Mile. Spectator access limited. But remember, you can watch and wager online at hbibet.com. Mark Spector. Hi, Spec. How are you? Oh, doing pretty good. Bob, you know, it's funny you mentioned that old saying, and I remember hearing it many times. But, you know, the other old saying among scouts is, big and good beats small and good every time and we're in that transition aren't we like we're in that transition between decades of drafting six foot two 215 players and a game now that's very receptive to guys that are yamamoto size right that are goodrow's size that are barzell size that are that are quinn hughes's size and there's in that transition time i think there's going to be some misses aren't there well, we've discussed privately Brendan Gallagher back to the 2010 draft, and there were, you know, I mean, the Oilers had three second-round picks in that draft, uh, and they went 
uh, I saw Curtis Hamilton, by the way, in Kelowna this past week. But uh, they took Curtis Hamilton uh, and they bumped into him. And uh, he's playing over in the British League now, taking a, like an MBA course at one of those uh, for one of the teams that they've got set up there. But Curtis Hamilton, Martin Marincin were two of the picks they took in the second round. Now I'm trying to remember who. Oh, Pitlick was the other one. Okay. And then in the third round, they took Ryan Martindale. And in the fourth round, I can't even remember the name of the guy. I think it was Jeremy Bland, maybe, out of the Quebec League. They never signed him. And Gallagher went in the fifth round. And the Oilers had lots of picks, but at that time, they want, everybody wanted a. We're going back to 2010, Mark. Everybody wanted a bigger team. Steve Tamalini wanted a bigger team. He took Abney in 2009. So nobody, you know, despite the fact that the Oilers had people that liked Gallagher, they passed on him, and all Gallagher's done for their, you know, score. 30 goals the last two full seasons in the NHL and being an absolute driver for Montreal. I bring up Gallagher. I bring up Braden Point. Like Point's an all-world player. Everybody, Mark, in the WHL that I talk to, and you know how many ex-Gold Bear guys are coaching and managing teams in that league, they all said Point was a player, and Tampa Bay stole one, getting Braden Point. Yamamoto, you mentioned him, Mark. There are people, uh, even in the Oilers organization, that weren't 100, well, I don't think anybody thought he'd be as good as he was when he came up, but there were people that thought this guy could help the Oilers, they're too slow, they're not quick enough, that sort of thing. And then even this year, there's a kid, Seth Jarvis, with Portland, who, when you talk to people in the WHL, they think he should be a top-ten pick. And he's probably not going in the top ten, but he's, you know, a lot of people say he's a better skater at the same age than Braden Point. The point I'm making this, Mark, is it has, the switch has flipped a bit here. We don't worry about, even Barzell in 2015, Mark, there were teams passing on him because they didn't think that he had it. You know what I mean? And he's, I mean, how how could you miss that based on how well he skates? It's crazy when you think about it, Mark. Well, it is, and we get caught in thinking old school and that's you know the very derivation of the term being ahead of the curve you know teams that that move on from those old ways faster than others are going to snap up all the good players and there's a few teams that did but we're even at it we're at a time now bob where yeah i remember when they drafted yamoto and there's sure you wonder about a young guy or a small guy because frankly you know if you're not an elite player at that size you can't play Right, there aren't any small average players. All these guys we're talking about that are really small—they're all fantastic players and elite players. You don't see any Patrick Russells who are the 13th forward who are five nine, right? 165 pounds. So, you know, I guess the difference with Yamamoto is someone we knew he was going to be a first-round pick. We knew he was going high to somebody. Some teams might not have wanted him, but we've reached the point now, Bob, where. You know, the guy you just mentioned, someone's drafting this guy. He's going to get picked. The old days, he'd go through the whole draft, and he wouldn't get picked at all. And we'd all say, ah, he's too small, he can't play. Well, I think we're getting past that, finally. Yeah, Seth Jarvis will be going in the first 17 or 18 overall picks in the draft. Again, point went into the third round. Uh, and, you know, Moose Jaw wasn't a great team that year. Portland was a terrific team this year. So, uh, you know, we're sitting here looking at it. The Oilers have got the 14th overall pick. They've got some decisions, I guess, to make on a couple of restricted free agents. Um, have you gleaned anything? You know, it's, it's almost like... Uh, you know, you're out of it. There there was the, the trade for Kapanen a little over a week ago. But from your perspective, how active do you think it is right now? And do you think it's the calm before the storm as we close out the end of the NHL playoffs? 
Well, you know it's active because the more teams that drop out, you know, give it give it about four days here. When when the you know how many series are on here? Eight series. There's eight teams falling out. Is that right? Um, at the end of the second round, so those teams immediately turn the page to starting to build for next season. You know, you got to Ken Holland always does this, and I think it's he's absolutely right. In a normal season, Bob. Where are we? We're ending the second round. So we're probably about May, what, 7th, 5th, something like sure. that? Sure. We haven't gone to, we haven't gone to the uh, World Championships yet. They're, they're, they're going to add some guys from second round losing teams. They haven't had the, uh, maybe you're just starting the U18s over in, uh, uh, often in Checo or wherever they are. So how much action is there at that time in a normal season? Not much. No, there aren't deals during the second round or third round very often. And that's where all the GMs are at. They're on their schedule. They're talking. They're starting to figure some stuff out. But, you know, I know it's going to be a truncated offseason. It's going to happen quick. But uh, just as we don't see trades on May 7th in a normal year, that's why I think we're not seeing a lot of action right now. I think you're right, Bob. It's come before the storm. Uh, Sportsnet spec Mark Spector for the horses and horse racing, Alberta. Bob Stoffer with you in Oilers now. Mark, let's get to uh, a couple things that have occurred here over the last three or four days specific to hockey. Boston. Mm. Uh, is it the end of the run for Boston? I personally don't believe it is. You? because they've built such a good organization they're always there you know is it the end of the run let's get more specific bob is it the end of the run for big z you know is it you know that i don't know and i'll say you know i know he's not the player he used to be but when he's not in that dressing room anymore and on that bench that's a dent in the great blue and yellow machine you would agree with that uh even if he's playing a third pairing having z on your team it means a lot so, you know what, if he quits, yeah, there's gonna have, some guys are going to have to carry some of that load, but that's what you get when you have the Bruins. You've got a great culture, you've got waves of players, and now that Charo might be moving on, one day Bergeron moves on, well, Pasternak's coming underneath, and Jake DeBrusque is coming underneath. McAvoy. McAvoy's coming underneath, and Carlo's coming underneath. And, you know, they, they've learned from the best, and that culture is strong. And that's why you, know, you, you don't get to win the Cup every year or even go to it every year. But the Bruins are good every year, and that's what you call a good organization right there. Is it possible they ran up against just a deeper and better team that learned from their failure last year in Tampa Bay? Yeah, and, and Tampa's knocked at the door a long time. Eventually it's got open for them here, Bob. Yeah. Tampa's is really good. They're an excellent team and a good, another very good organization that's built wisely. And then throw in that your number one goalie goes home and, you know, for personal reasons, isn't playing. So I don't care who you are. You know, I'm watching Dallas and Colorado right now. And I picked, you know, a lot of guys thought Colorado could win the Stanley Cup this year. I'm here to tell you they're not winning it with Pavel Francouz in net and certainly not with Michael Hutchinson. And even the mighty Bruins, as good as they are, you, you know, losing to Rask is a, it's a huge dead boy. You know, Yarrow Halak's a nice backup, but that's what he is. He's a nice backup. Uh, they, Tampa's too good for uh, any, most teams 
with Yarrow Halak playing every minute. It's that's just a, a fact of hockey. You can't throw your back up and think you're going to be as good as you were when your starter was in, right? Well, the one thing that uh, happened uh, with Julian Breezeball and Tampa Bay is they changed the complexion and the makeup of the team. They bring in Maroon in the offseason. I mean, he's 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 a fourth liner for them, but he's won before, and he can yep. make plays with good players and gives you a little bit of toughness. And then they gave up two number ones, uh, one in the trade to go get Barkley Goodrow uh, from the San Jose Sharks, who's a very useful player. And then they added some more speed and competitiveness with uh, Coleman. And both of those guys still have another year left at a combined $2.7 million. Like wow. for, for an organization like them that is going to have to move one of their bodies in the offseason. Uh, but, you know, but you know what, Mark? i got to say something right now. It strikes me... I'm I'm a big believer your best players got to be your best players. Tampa Bay addressed some issues in depth, and they got a really good team. I mean, they got, you know, Kucherov's an MVP. Stamkos is a terrific player. Uh, Point has emerged as an absolute driver for them. They got great support players like Palat, and, yeah. you know, and now they add, you know, Coleman and uh, Goodrow and Maroon, and Sorelli is, they got to get him signed to an extension. Great young player, can skate. They got all those defense, some of whom they're going to lose. But, Mark, they have done this without Steven Stamkos. Okay? And that is interesting to me uh, because I wonder. You know, Stamkos, I'm not saying he cheats for offense, but to me they seem like even a more committed team than ever before. And they don't have a guy that has scored 60 goals in an NHL season. I mean, he had 45 in a full year a year ago, 98 points. He's a great player. We all agree with that. Better than, you know, better than a point-per-game player. Does speak volumes to the depth that Tampa Bay does have that they've looked as good as they have in the playoffs so far? Well, we always, you know, we get caught in this. Like the, you know, my analogy is always hockey versus basketball. And basketball, you get three or four stars and you, you win the whole damn league. And, you know, our team in the team here in Edmonton is an excellent example. You can have the top two scorers in the league and it doesn't, you know, that's not enough to win with. Right. So, you know, I think Tampa's a good example. Like, look at the, you know, and look at the orders. They've got the top end. They're pretty damn good in the top end. Yeah. Now, it's the it's the guys that are that are really making the difference in Tampa. Like Blake Coleman's a really good player. I've always every time I see him play, he turns my head. Uh, I I didn't get a chance. I was covering the other game last night, but I did listen to a snippet of Jim Houston, and he said that very quickly. Uh, I believe he said that Barkley Goodrow owned Berger on the circle last night. Yeah, I recall him saying that. So that's no small feat to own Patrice Bergeron in a circle. So the point I guess I'm making is, and it brings us back to the Oilers, Bob, is you know Tampa had lots of high end guys and they had lots of goal scorers and they had that end covered, but they weren't a good enough team until they figured out some depth players and they were getting help from the other lines and they were winning their faceoffs and doing all that boring stuff that you need to do to win in hockey. Because it's not basketball. It's not just about the first team to 120. So take heed, right? Watch what Tampa's doing. I see Edmonton in the same in the shadow of that team. Their top end's excellent. They need to get the guts of a team here if they're going to get something done. They don't have Vasilevsky, and they don't have Edmonton. 
Yep. But perhaps they can do it. Perhaps they can. <laughs> perhaps they can do it differently. Uh, we'll continue down that path, and we're also going to hit on Colorado when we come back. Bob Stoffer, Mark Spector, spec for the horses and horse racing Alberta. We'll tell you, Roos Chris Steakhouse, the greatest steak you've ever had. Edmonton owned and operated. Open Wednesday through Sunday from 5 p.m. until close. Head down to 99.90 Jasper Avenue. Tell Brendan, Maggie, and T. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Taylor and the staff at Roos Chris that Oilers Now sent you. It's 1249 in Edmonton. You're listening to Oilers Now. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, that's going to be a storyline for the Edmonton Oilers. He's represented by Rick Vallette, who also has uh, Jake DeBrusque and Ryan Murray. And uh, Nuge is going into the final year of a seven-year contract that paid him $6 million. Bob Stoffer and Mark Spector, along with Brendan Escott with you. Spec, uh, we're going to re-engage here. Uh, last night, uh, you were in the building. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche, the Dallas Stars, the Avs playing for their proverbial playoff lives, and rumors of their demise turned out to be, well, greatly exaggerated. Mark, you there? First period. I'm here. Yeah, okay, go for it. How about a 5 nothing first period lead in an elimination game? You, you think Colorado was ready to play? <laughs> you know, it's such a goofy series, Paul, because, I mean, there's so many unknowns. Colorado, great to me, like I said, to me, they're a Stanley Cup contender. But they don't have the goalie, you know, and we saw what happened to Boston. Dallas. Dallas, to me, Bob, everyone out there listening to this, we all remember the San Jose Sharks that sewered all our hockey pools for all those years, right? You'd watch the Sharks in the regular season, you'd pick a bunch of them in your hockey your playoff pool, and they'd lose. And you'd go, man, I'm never going to let the Sharks sewer me again, and they'd, you'd probably got sucked in next year like I did. Um, Dallas is that team for me. I thought they'd be this good three years ago. And they haven't been. Well, now they got some guys, and they're a really, really good team. And then they lose their starting goalie. So you go, oh, geez, they don't have their starting goalie. But they got probably the best backup in the league in Hudobin. I mean, he's a fabulous number two. So, you know, there's just so many question marks in this thing. Now, now even Francois is out, and who plays tomorrow for Colorado? Is it Hutchinson? Who plays for Dallas? Bishop had a start. He was brutal. But he is their number one. Do you play him ahead of Hudobin tomorrow? Like, this is a series full of question marks, and the offshoot, Bob, is they're scoring, you know, nine, ten goals a night, <laughs> and it's been really, really entertaining hockey to watch. 
Well, there's a guy you didn't mention that's out for Colorado that I'd like to talk because I think, you know, we always have these conversations like who's the most underrated player in the NHL. And a yeah. lot of people a lot of people would say that uh Calvert. He- well, no, 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 no. A lot of people say Barkov from Florida is one of the most underrated players in the National okay. Hockey League. But okay. uh, there's a there's a defenseman that plays for Colorado, okay? And this guy takes does all of the heavy lifting five-on-five. Five. And he's a strong two-way defenseman. The problem is he was drafted number one overall in 2006, and Jonathan Taze went third. And he was drafted by St. Louis, and you know how much of a rivalry St. Louis and, uh, and Chicago have. Right. But the fact of the matter is, Eric Johnson is a big, strong, firm, competitive defenseman. They miss that guy. That, to me, that was when the kind of, and, and I know he hasn't, you know, like the last uh, three full seasons, five on five, in true five on five situations, McKinnon's been plus 62. Johnson's basically been even, but Johnson's been doing all of the heavy lifting. He's he's had the toughest zone starts. They've missed him on the back as as much as they missed the goalie, and it just shows you get a couple injuries in the wrong spot. That's been a tough one for them to overcome here, and because because I I got to tell you, Dallas plays loose. Uh, their their D have been allowed to engage offensively and activate. Uh, they haven't had great goaltending. And, and Colorado could be knocked off here. And I think one of the guys that's been overlooked in terms of, hey, we missed that this is a player that's hurt uh, by his absence has been Eric Johnson on the back end because of, of what, you know, that steady influence he provides, Mark. Well, listen, Dallas has got a ton of goals by, by getting to the net, getting to the, to the net front, you know, getting to the low, low slot, making tips, knocking in rebounds. That's been a huge problem for Colorado, right? They can't keep the stars out of the dirty area there. And when Dallas gets in there, they're winning the battles and they're scoring a lot of garbage goals, right, in this series. So you make an excellent point. Johnson would be a guy that that's his strength. He cleans up that area for Colorado. Uh, they have a fairly light defense in that regard, and Dallas has taken advantage of that. That's That's been, you know, and then, again, they're not getting the big save. And the, other, the last thing I'll say is they've also got a goalie who's kicking a lot of rebounds into those spots, Bob. Yep. You know, Francois is kicking a puck right into that place where Eric Johnson usually cleans house. Well, he's not cleaning house because he's not there. And Dallas has got somebody standing there to poke a rebound in. I've watched that goal ten times in that series already. Yeah, and, you know, again, and they've added four top nine forwards to their team over the course of the last calendar year. They went out, they signed Donskoy, uh, brought in Burakovsky, who's look, looking like a terrific player. Yeah, Donskoy's hurt. Yeah, pardon me? Donskoy's been hurt. Yeah, Don's, Donskoy, Donskoy's been out for them, but, of, of course, they got Kadri, who's a real good second-line center in the league, and then they took a bit of a flyer on Nichushkin as well. So they've got... They've significantly upgraded their team. Uh, they might be a year away, Mark. That's the one thing I'd say about Colorado. I wouldn't write them off in this series based on what we saw last night. How could you? Well, you know, it's funny. I was watching Chuskin last night. He reminds me of Pugliarvi, right? Yes. Watch this yep. guy play. He's the same guy. He's, he's, he's a more advanced player at this point. There's no question, but he's also a little older. Uh, he's tall. He skates well. He's got a great shot. He, he looks, looks like a player. He looks like a player, man. Does he ever like? I get it. When you're a scout, you watch this guy play. You go, holy man! I want him on my team. But he's he's on the periphery of this Colorado team. They're just as good without him as they are with him. I'll tell you that right now. He's popped a couple in. Great, but 
uh, he needs to find the guts of the game. He needs to find how to be a guy that's not just sneaking in from the outside and banging home a rebound. He needs to take the puck to the net. He's, you know, I guess my point is that I kind of see the same player as play RV and I see the same improvements needed. And I'm not saying neither can make those improvements, Bob. You know, play RV can learn how to, how to, be a better NHL player, and he clearly has to. But well, if Nikushkin can play, Pujarvi can play. All right, back to our big guy, little guy discussion. I mean, Yamamoto, you know, it's funny. Uh, uh, you know, I bumped into one of his former coaches out in Cologne over the last uh, week and a half spec, and we had this discussion, and he's like, he just needed one break even the two years before at the start of the year. Like, he just needed a puck bounce. The guys were cheering for him. They liked him because he was competitive. He didn't He didn't come in expecting anything. And, mm-hmm. uh, Mark, he got a, you know, new management. They didn't draft Yamamoto. New management comes in. He's coming off a wrist injury. There's no discussion to keep him around Edmonton. They get him down to the farm. They get him playing. And Yamamoto scores in the first four games and is the best player. Best player, at least amongst the forwards in the first four games of the year. And I'm watching the Oilers going, they're too slow. They're not quick enough. Uh, and then contrast that with Pogliarvi. And, you know, like Yamamoto went down and earned it. He earned that recall and ran with it when he got here. And I just look at Pogliarvi. And I wonder, Mark, if there needs to be, I don't know if, uh, you know, what the Finnish word is for an epiphany, but he, he needs to come to, like, he needs to get back to North America and get back in playing and, and give it a shot here to get it going. But he's got to earn it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just don't oh. hand him a top six spot. Yamamoto came up and crushed it when he came up, but he earned it. And I think that that has to happen for Pogliarvi as well. No, listen, I think, you know what, we all, I don't know what's going on between Jesse Pugliarvi's ears, and nobody does, but I think we all look at Jesse Pugliarvi differently than when he showed up here coming out of the draft. He's oh, yeah. no longer a number four overall. It kind of reminds me of Cassian, who they looked at him as a first-round pick in Buffalo. They looked at him as a first-round pick in in Vancouver. Now that he's in Edmonton, he's just a hell of a good depth player, and and that's no one talks about first-round picks with Zach Cassian anymore. Well, Pugliarvi now has to come here, like you say, he's got to earn it. But he's got to, you know, he's got to, being over in Europe where the ice is big and he can shoot a lot of wrist shots from the perimeter, he's always been good at that. He didn't have to work on shooting wrist shots off the perimeter ball. That's not where he needs to improve. So he needs to get over here on the smaller ice. He needs to get somehow drawn inside of the game a little bit like use that big frame and wind puck battles and and take it inside and blow through a defenseman with your speed and strength you know use the tools that you have and you'll find that you'll probably score a lot of goals if you get that puck seven feet out from the net you'll probably score more goals than shooting it from 35 feet out and he there's no reason you can't learn that bump there's no reason i think he got two in one game against calgary um and I'm thinking it was it would have been 17-18, and he's just right in front of the net on both goals, and one kicked in off him. And yeah, I remember that. And that's it was a Saturday night game, and that's what he need. You know, that was the game that Brassois started, and the Oilers built up a six nothing lead, one seven five. <laughs> All right, Spec, stay with us. Stuff, Bob. Well, it's you know, I, I didn't uh, I didn't use some some of the stuff that you used, Mark, back in the day. So quick, quick uh, yeah. when's your wife's birthday? <laughs> Uh, yeah, exactly. November 19th. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. 
After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. <laughs> we'll take a timeout. It's 1 o'clock at Edmonton, and up next, the Global News Weather Traffic Update, Eileen Bell. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America Wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. Six at Edmonton, second hour of Oilers Now. Bob Stauffer joining you from the home office along with Brendan Escott. Oilers Now is brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex. They wish you and yours all the best during these challenging and uncertain times. Digitex.ca. Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. We will get to a couple of your texts in our Ashley Fine Floors text line at 780-496-0063. Ashley Fine Floors, providing winning results for over 35 years. We head back to the River Creek Resort and Casino Hotline, 7804960063. Mark Spector for the horses, Horse Racing Alberta, presenting the Alberta Breeders Fall Classic, featuring Alberta's best head to head action this Sunday at Century Miles. Spectator access limited. But remember, you can watch and wager at hbibet.com. And speaking of spectator access, oh, oh, there we go. Spectator access limited, Mr. Spector. Uh, there's been some news on the uh, World Junior Championship, which in theory was to be held in uh, Edmonton and Red Deer, great city, uh, coming up uh, December 26th to January 4th. What do we got? Well, it's a little bit conflicting. Uh, Terry Jones had a call on today with Bob Nicholson, who's heading over to Switzerland to talk about what they're going to do here uh, in terms of you know trying to play hockey in December. They've sold obviously sold this thing out in Edmonton and Red Deer, uh, and Bob Nicholson uh, hopes to come home with a plan here uh, after about a week in Switzerland, because of course he's both the president of OEG and he is uh, a vice president of the IIHF. Uh, but he is hopeful. I think the quote out of the column was, we're still hopeful we can have fans. But there was a tweet today from a reporter, uh, I believe a Czech reporter, and he quotes um, Rene Fassell, of course, the president of the IHF, saying, we won't be able to play w, uh, the World Junior Championship with spectators in December. That's for sure. We're waiting for a financial proposal from Hockey Canada by mid-September. So... You know that's a good question, Bob. They've sold a million tickets. It's uh, in the in the same way the CFL is the World Junior. Although they have TV money, it's very dependent on the gate, particularly in Canada. Uh, so I guess it's up to Hockey Canada to figure out, if, you know, what's in it for them to host a, a World Junior in Edmonton and Red Deer that you can't have any fans at. What do you think about that? Well, Jones's piece also references that the IIHF is considering back-to-back World Junior Championships at Edmonton and Red Deer. So that's your that's your carrot, right? Host one for us this year with no fans, mm-hmm. and we'll give you the one next year with fans. Is that how I'm reading it? Uh, yes, I guess that is kind of I would be reading it the same way as well. So, and you know, uh, from a 
sorry to interrupt, Bob. From a business perspective, uh, listen, the Oilers are like every other organization in the world. They'd rather not refund whatever the number is. You know, for could you imagine the, the whatever the number is of tickets purchased for that World Junior Championship? I mean, eighteen thousand seats times however many games. Uh, this gives them a chance to say to people, "Hey, you want to keep your tickets? You can come next year." So it would be a viable financial plan for certainly the hosts. And I'll bet you most people who bought their tickets would just say, I'll hang on to my tickets, I'll be good for next year. Okay. Well, uh, I I guess that's one pragmatic way to deal with it. Uh, It's obviously... Uh, you know, what a, what a time for Edmonton. What a time to have a new building. Funny how that all worked out, but, uh, you know. <laughs> no kidding, eh? Right? Well, and as Josie points out, and, and I think it's a very fair statement, if you're holding a World Junior Championships in a bubble, it would obviously be the first ever time they did that. You don't have to look very far. Edmonton, we've, we're doing a bubble here. It's working. They got it sorted out. It's a much shorter time period for the World Junior. So who pays? Who pays? Who pays for this, Mark? That's what I want to know. Like who? The bubble's expensive, right? Yeah, the bubble the bubble's costs a lot of money. All right. Uh, Good and, question, Bob. The fans won't be paying for it this year if they're not in the building, will they? There we go. <laughs> Let's hit on two, uh, three other quick hitters before we've got uh, Hart uh, Levine coming up at uh, one seventeen eighteen to talk about the Oilers' cap situation from Puckpedia. But quickly into the Vancouver Canucks, Mark. I look at this year's edition with the Canucks and the fact that they got guys like uh, Pedersen and Quinn Hughes on ELCs. And to me, it's somewhat comparable to the orders of 16-17. They've got some depth. Uh, they actually have more depth than Edmonton had at that time. Uh, they've played pretty well. They do have to get Jacob Marks from sign moving forward. Give me your take. Is this team for real over the next several years, or is it a mirage? Oh, no, they're for real because they've got a lot of their main key positions taken care of. Assuming they sign Markstrom and he continues to be an excellent goalie now that you know, he's got a couple strong seasons under his belt, so yep. I'm on team Markstrom here. He can play. So, yeah, you got to sign him. Quinn Hughes is, is you know, he's going to be a Norris Trophy candidate for years to come. He's just an unbelievably fantastic defenseman. So they got they have a number one defenseman. We've always said, Bob, the Oilers have, don't have a number, true, clear number one defenseman. Vancouver does. Uh, Patterson, you know, he's obviously a, a just this side of a generational talent. Uh, Bo Horvat has emerged here, right? He's a great second-line center. Great second-line center. He is a great second. You know what? He's, uh, you know, I'm not saying he's Messier, I'm not saying Pedersen's Gretzky, but he's the Messier to the Gretzky on that team. He's a big, strong bull that wins his face-offs and takes the puck to the net, and he's a leader and a stand-up guy. That position, they're in good shape in that position, Paul. Well, I mean, I'm looking at their team, and they gotta they gotta get some guys signed here. Uh, that go it starts in goal. They gotta get Markstrom done. Obviously, they have Demko coming as well. They're gonna lose one of those two guys. Uh, I guess in theory, they could buy out a player, buy out the final two years of Louis Erickson. But what they've got is they've got mid range price guys that are good. Besser, even though he's having a tough playoff, so did Eberle, you know, his first major playoff experience. Besser's a good player. He's under $6 million bucks for the next couple of years. Horvat's under $6 million bucks for the next three years. JT Miller's a very good player for them. But they're going to have to spend long-term on Pedersen as well 
is Hughes, and uh, that's going to come up in the next couple of years. Plus, they got to get the goalie done. I think I don't think people realize. I mean, their their depth is so good that they've got some guys not playing right now that could be like Furlan. They signed him to a four year deal. He'd be playing, but he's out. They're actually going to they're going to be a really intriguing team to watch in the off season for me. And so too are the Calgary Flames. Um, a lot of blame down there for the performance of Monahan and Johnny Goodrow, Mark. Um, give me your take on uh, what do you think the, fl- the plans for the Flames are in Calgary? Well, I mean, something's got to happen there. Their core group is its problem. You know, we talk about the Oilers, and, and everyone agrees that they got a pretty nice core group here that no one's looking at trading away their top-line players. Uh, it's the guts of the team that needs to get improved. And down there, uh, they've got... You know, they've got a lot of other bases covered that the orders may not, but it's their top guys that they're concerned about. You know, Goodrow continues to have no effect in the playoffs, certainly five-on-five. Monaghan, uh, you know, it's funny. Monaghan and Horvath were in the same draft, were they not? Yes. I, I believe they were. And at They the were time, three, very, three picks apart. Yeah, very soon thereafter, Monaghan came out of the shoot, and it was like, whoa, what a great pick by Calgary. This guy's way better than Horvat. And Monaghan hasn't really improved that much, you know. he's He can play for my team. He's a nice second-line center. Horvat's way better now. Horvat's a better player. Except he's so a first-line center in Calgary. He's a Horvat's the first line center in Calgary. Well, so is Monahan's the first line well, center. That, that, sure. So that's my point. Monahan to me is a real good second line center. If he's my first line center, I'm starting to wonder if my team's good enough. That's what Brad Tree Living's wondering too. Yeah, he had a tough year. I mean, both him and Goodrow had tough years this year. Um, I I gotta tell you, man. I I. I Kind of, I'm not sure unless I can get Hall to replace a Goodrow. I'm not sure. Now I know I've talked to people in Calgary that swear there's no way that Goodrow is going to sign an extension with the Flames, so I got to move him. Uh, regardless, it's going to be intriguing to watch. And speaking of moving some money out, Mark, final question for you: The Arizona Coyotes, um, new owner in the casino business, which is taking a crap kicking right now uh, down in the states in the state of Arizona right now. Um, they just got dinged significant picks. Right, they've got stripped of their number two this year. They've already traded their number one in the Hall trade, plus their number one next year. Darcy Camper's got two years left. Is Darcy Camper going to be in play? That's what they're saying. You know, Craig Morgan, who writes, uh, uh, has a website down there. He's the most in. You know, he's sort of the Mike Russo of Arizona, man. He knows sure. everything that's going on with that team, and uh, he'll tell you that Camper's going to be in play. Uh, and that's very intriguing because he's a uh, he has no restrictions on his contract. He's signed for two more years. What's he making, Bob? Four, four and a half. Four and a half. Four Same and a half. money as Koskinen. Right. So that might be a little bit more than a team like the Oilers would want to spend. But Kemper's a really good goalie. Like he is a number one goalie, and certainly would make your team a lot better. So, you know, I'm. Arizona continues to just be a train wreck, right? They, you know, Chaka traded away a lot of the future there. Now they lose even more important draft picks in this fiasco, having te- physically tested a bunch of players illegally. Uh, now they've got another new owner. I mean, the the, the litany goes on. Uh, you know, this guy's in the casino business, which is obviously getting crushed with COVID. 
you know, oh, yeah, they're talking about uh, Oliver Ekman Larson being available. Now he's got a boat. Oh, my goodness. Does he have six seasons left yep. in his deal? He's got a big long term deal, and he's, he's, he's a good player. He's a nice defenseman, but I'll tell you what, I'm not sure I like that contract. So they, they've got issues in Arizona. I don't think, I don't know if that franchise makes it, Bob, because I don't think they're going to win anytime soon. And if they got a guy that can't afford Darcy Kemper, they probably got a guy that can't afford to build that rink in Scottsdale. Is that fair? Would you give up a number one pick to get him? If they, took, if they took back some money? Oh, yeah. I'd yeah. give up a number one pick for Kemper right now. Yeah. yeah. All right. Good stuff, Mark. Thanks for your time. All right. <laughs> All right, Bobby. Take care. It's 118 in Edmonton. Hart Levine coming up uh, next from Puckpedia uh, to talk about the Oilers' overage and the options moving forward. Uh, you're listening to Oilers Now. It's 118 in Edmonton. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.